amen, amen. When I think about the Christmas story, uh, it's a beautiful story if you've heard it before. And I think we as human beings are all captivated by stories. I mean, even all throughout the Bible in the New Testament, when Jesus taught, most of the time he would use a story. He would use a parable because he knew how we were created and how our minds were wired together and how stories impact us. And when I think about the Christmas season, there are stories that we lean into in our own lives. Uh, Think about the Polar Express, right? Maybe you watched that movie before. You put on your pajamas, get your hot cocoa up. Who has marshmallows? Marshmallows or no marshmallows? Right. Marshmallows, of course, we're human beings. Right. So um, as, as we think about that and we maybe watch that or read the story or a night before Christmas. Right. We hear that story and we just lean into it because there's something about stories and a great story will introduce us to all of these different characters. And then an even better story will allow us to see ourselves in the story. Right. And so when we watch a movie, we're going, oh, that, that one's me or oh, oh that, that one's her. And I know somebody like that. And I know someone who acts like that or talks like that. It's because we see ourselves in that story. And when I think about the Christmas story, it is so impactful that it changed not only history, but it changes our story. And no matter who we are, we have to do something with the Christmas story. We have to respond in some kind of way. And if we don't respond, then that's our response to the Christmas story, right? Because all of these different avenues, there has to be something, we have to do something with it because the the Christmas story is a moment in history. It actually happened. In fact, I got on a little bit of a tangent here this week studying and I came across all of these non-biblical documents of Jesus's life. I was going to say, let's outside of the Bible, outside of the historical uh, accounts that are in the Bible, what other accounts are there? And if we did not use the Bible, which we know and we believe that uh, the Bible is completely true and uh, without error. But if even if you weren't uh, to open up the Bible and to use the stories, here's what we would know about Jesus's life is that he, it was reported to have been born of a poor virgin, that his father was a carpenter, that he was a teacher and his disciples passed on his teachings to others, that he prophesied and performed miracles, that he was known for his wisdom and virtuous life, that he said he was God. He was crucified by Pontius Pilate. Then get this, this blew me away. There was an earthquake and darkness accompanied by his death. We read that in scripture, but even Roman historians documented this account of happening. His followers reported that he's risen from the dead and many people uh, claim to have seen Jesus. His followers worshiped him as God. And we see that his story continues to move forward without fail. And that is completely outside of what the Bible gives us. And as Christians, we lean into the Bible. and We know that that story is true. But I just wanted to paint that picture a little bit because even in historical documents, Jesus has come and he did all of those things. And so we have to, as I think, as I walk through this story in Luke chapter two, we began to look at the different characters and go, "Okay, what is their response? And then ultimately, what will be my response to the Christmas story? What will be my family's response to the Christmas story? And last week we dove into Luke chapter 1 and we saw an angel Gabriel come and appear to Mary and says, you're going to give birth, right? And we see this amazing scene and then the angel comes back and confirms it with Joseph. And then the emperor, the one who is over the area of this time says, I'm going to count all the people. I want the census to happen. 
And in order for that to happen, you need to travel back to your hometown. They were, Mary and Joseph were living in Nazareth at the time. And so they had to make the trek back to Bethlehem because Joseph was in the family line of David. And so they had to go to Bethlehem. Now, I want you to picture this, okay? Nazareth is 90 miles to Bethlehem. So Mary is pregnant. She hops on, hops on a donkey and travels 90 miles. You're talking about a Christmas vacation. I mean, come on, right? Pregnant on a donkey, bouncing around like that is, I just can't imagine what she's going through. And then they get to Bethlehem. And because of the census, everybody is coming to Bethlehem. In fact, everything is filling up so fast. She, they're not sure what to do. And they get to the inn and we read that there is no room in the inn because everybody has come to Bethlehem. And so the innkeeper says, hi, there's no space here. But in fact, maybe out back there is a stable. Some believe it's even a, a carven space in the side of the mountain where they would go and where the animals would actually live and saying, this is all I've got. And as we have talked about many times before, we look at it from a human perspective as a coincidence. But yet we know that God is in all of those details and God is teaching us something about who he is, even coming to the stable and being born in a manger. Right. As we see that. And then this is where we pick up in Luke chapter two. We see something begins to unfold with the birth of Jesus. Everybody still in? Everybody still doing OK? All right, Luke chapter two, we're going to start in verse four, and it reads like this. And Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In, this, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with them and the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. What an incredible story as Mary and Joseph get to this inn, and she has a baby in the inn, which the Bible uh, talks about it in a few verses. But I can just picture the scene of what is happening. And I, I don't know if you've been present uh, during childbirthing moments and times, but it's stressful, right? Like it's, I used to joke with my wife, like this stressful time. She's like, oh, it's stressful for you. But just to think about it, right, the, that she was in a stable around animals. And yet this is the way that God planned it. This was the way that God intended it, that he would come humbly where there was no place around him. And as we read the Christmas story, and I love this quote by Max Cato, it says, when Christ was born, so was our hope, that the hope of the world came. And the first response we see when they get to Bethlehem, the innkeeper looks around and he says, 
sorry, I, I don't have any room. I don't have any room for you. And I think about that particular response and I think about sometimes in our own lives. And is that our response to the Christmas story? Oh, that just got so much going on, God. There, my, my, my plate is just full. I'm not sure I have time, right? Or I, I got to take care of this and this and this and this is going on. And the innkeeper says there's no place. For you here and I, I look at what happens around us in the world and, uh, you know, nobody's perfect. I look at my own life and there are moments and times and seasons where it's going, I got so much going on. Are we even kind of backwards saying to God, there's no place. Everything's already in the way. Everything is in place. And for you and I, the Christmas story, the reason for the season, and I know it's about family and gifts and to celebrate all of those things. But for you and I to make sure that our response is not the same as the innkeepers. There's no space here. We're already full. We got everything. The, the focus is under the tree. That we have all of these people coming to visit. And all of these things that are happening. But God is saying I want you to make sure that I am the reason for the season. And I feel that weight and that pressure. Not only for me but for my family and those who are around me. To not have that same response. But yet the innkeeper. Uh, God knew that he was going to be there. We even see it uh, prophesied in Micah 5 too that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem and then the angel it says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and as he finds a place and then in the same region there are these shepherds out in the field and they're I don't know if you know anything about shepherds but it's not a glamorous job they're living out in the open right they they are herding sheep and trying to make sure they're in the right place and if you've ever uh, looked or watched a YouTube video about on a sheep there's these funny little stories of how the sheep they pull them like out of a trench and the sheep kind of runs around and then he jumps back into the trench and you're like come on right you, you see that because they're not the smartest animals uh, in the tool shed right and so we see them bounce around and they're trying to take care of them, keep them on track and keep them corralled. They're not the highest people on the totem pole. They're not the highest people on the totem pole economically, politically, leadership, all of those things, right? Like this is their job, but yet the angel goes to them. And what was the angel's message to the shepherds? I love the message that the angel shares with them. And this is what it says for uh, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This message is, is that good news of great joy is for all people. It doesn't matter who we are, where we've come from, what our past looks like. But yet this good news is for every single person. Jesus is saying, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost and those who will believe in me. I have come for their heart, right? Nothing can separate them if they're willing to come to me. And I love not only the words that the angel says, but they use it in practice because God sends them to shepherds of going, I, I don't, he could have went to the emperor, right? He could have went to the person who was over all of that, who would order more people to hear about this incredible story of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But yet God sends the angel to the shepherds. And I think it's to portray to you and I that Christ has come for all people. And not only that, God is not concerned with status. That's not the first thing on God's list is status. God is after the heart of men 
and women, right? God is after our heart. And God is not concerned with our status. He's concerned with our heart to serve Him and to worship Him. And He gives us this picture here in Scripture over and over and over again. And He is saying, if you will worry about pursuing Me, I'll take care of your status. I'll take care of what's in place. I mean, over and over again, Jesus gives this example. Born in a manger, right? In the middle of nowhere, this place called Bethlehem. And over and over again, God says, hey, don't worry so much about your status. But that's easier said than done because we live in a culture that celebrates status, right? We, we live in a culture that celebrates moving up the ladder and moving up the tier. And, and God places us in those areas of influence for a reason. But yet he says, the reason is you're there is to outshine the character of God inside of us and the service that we have but then the shepherds get this not only does God send them to the shepherds right and not only does he do that but then the shepherds response is that they become worshipers and messengers of the story of Jesus we see this in verse 20 and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for they had heard and seen as it had been told to them their response to the angels was one Let's go see this king. We've got we believe this story. We have to go see this Jesus. And I love that heart. And I think that's a beautiful response for you and for me when we hear the Christmas story is I need to get to Jesus because this story is true. This story is magnificent and I need to know more. I want to hear that story over and over again. I don't want this story to get old. It's because the invisible God became visible to you and I. And that's the story of Christmas, that the creator of the universe humbled himself as a baby and lied in a manger. And I think about Mary and Joseph looking at the daunting task of raising the son of God. And I believe what they did was saying, you know what, God, we're going to do the best we can to seek after you and to serve you with our whole hearts. And we're going to believe that you will take care of the rest. And I believe that's the same response that God wants for us. As we hear the Christmas story and we say, oh, I want to get to the King Jesus and I want to worship him. I want to join the angels in glorifying him. I want to join them in, in telling the story. And then when, when Jesus changes my life, I want to turn and go, can I tell you about all the wonderful and glorious things that Jesus has done? And we turn into messengers ourselves of the greatest story ever told i love having the kids up here uh, because you know nick came up here beautifully kind of climbed in the manger and pretended like he was asleep it was awesome and then the, all the kids are here and they're lining up and what i love about this the it's a great picture because they're telling the story they're a part of telling the sto- the greatest story that has ever been told majesty in a manger and it doesn't matter our age god will use us to tell his story if our hearts are open and willing to serve him. And we see the angels come. And I love when angels come in scripture because when they come, people hit the ground in fear, right? They are terrified. This angelic being appeared before them and they, they hit the ground. They're not sure what to do. And every time an angel goes, oh, don't fear. Okay, look, I'm an angel. I'm the good guy. I'm here to tell you some good news. And he tells them the story that, hey, this is good news of what? Great joy. This is good news. You and I, we are holding a story that is good news of great joy. We are holding that in our hearts. And when we celebrate this Christmas and we get around on Christmas morning, we're celebrating the birthday of Jesus. We're celebrating this good 
news. This is something we should be excited about. Not only that, but we should have great joy about. And the thing about joy is a lot of times we think that in order to have joy, then my life needs to be okay. That I don't need to be experiencing any kind of suffering or hurt or grief. But the beauty of the cross is, is that joy and suffering can go together. Because joy comes in those moments. Joy flows in through me into the circumstances that I'm facing. It's the Holy Spirit that's dwelt in me. And the reason we can experience that joy is because Jesus came. And the angels remind us of this story, remind us of this incredible story. And then what do the angels say? They're sitting there, they hear this, and they say, this is good news of great joy. And then the heavenly host, a bunch of more angels, join right behind them and they're singing. And what do they declare? And this is what they declare. Glory to God in the highest and earth and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And I love this because they're they're giving us this story. Peace among those whom he is pleased. And what the angels are declaring is that Jesus has come. And because Jesus has come, he is going to live his life about 33 years. And around that time, he is going to surrender his life on the cross. And I say surrender his life because he is in total and complete control at all times. And he surrenders his life. He is a lamb led to the slaughter. And when they tell the shepherds, hey, the reason that you're going to know that this is uh, the lamb of God, Jesus, who has come, it tells them what? That he, you're going to notice he's wrapped in swaddling cloth, right? And the reason why I believe the angel told them this is because the shepherds during that time, and especially in that region, they would hold the lambs for sacrifice in the Old Testament. The Old Testament for the wages of sin is death. And so they would provide these sacrifices to atone for their sins year after year. And the shepherds would get these perfect lambs and they would wrap them in swaddling cloths so they wouldn't have any blemish. And so they would prepare these perfect lambs for sacrifice. And so now they know they're going to see the king of kings, the lamb of God that was prophesied, wrapped the same way in that swaddling cloth. The beautiful lamb of God laying in a manger. And they tell him this because Jesus will come and he will make a way for what? For men who place their faith in him, for women who place their faith in him, for every person who believes in him, he will provide peace with God. And I tell you, there's nothing, nothing on this earth that can satisfy and fill the void because we will always be wrestling until we have peace with God. And the, the best physical representation that I can show you is this. That's what my soul feels like when I surrendered it to Jesus. I can remember my story. I don't know if you've heard my story before, but in high school and college and I was running from God and I was just hyper focused on sports and all of these other things in school. And I was just completely running from God while well, I developed this kind of, uh, in my opinion, this, this severe anxiety. I, I thought I was literally going to die. I was going to work every day and all of a sudden I was getting like bags under my eyes because I was just I was so sick with worry and I would show up day in and day out. Finally, I went to the cardiologist. And I was like, something is happening in here and I don't know what it is and I, I just need you to check it out. And so they checked my heart. They're like, we don't see anything abnormal. So we're going to put some uh, uh, you know, things on you and we're going to monitor your heart for a few days and we want you to come back. And so I'm wearing it and I'm like, oh no, here we go. We're going to find all of these things. We come back and they go, you know what? Your heart's uh, actually good. It's, it's an athletic heart. It sounds good. And I was like, 
Bo honky, I feel like I'm going to die. Like, what do you like? You need to check it again. Like, look at the readings again and just feeling all of this, right? This weight, this pressure. And in that moment, I just felt like God, I, I say it was the Holy Spirit squeezing me. He was trying to call me home, right? And I was fighting against it and trying to take the world on on my own. And the weight of the world was honestly crushing me. And I needed something that was bigger than this world, bigger than my fears, bigger than my anxiety. And I remember to this day surrendering my life to Christ. And it was in that moment my soul said. And it was like I was drinking cool water for the very first time. This peace came over in me in that moment, not necessarily uh, in the world around me, but my soul felt at rest. And I remember I was working at a furniture store selling mattresses in college. And I remember walking around those mattresses going, if this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, my soul is at rest. Because if this is what God wants me to do, then I will do it. I will love him and sell every mattress in this store, right? Like whatever it may be, because I had a renewed spirit in in me because now I had peace with God. Troubles still came. Trials still came. Heartache still came. Grief still came. My expectations of the way that I thought my life would go changed. But yet my heart was at rest because I had peace with God. And that's what Jesus, when he came on this earth, he is saying, I, I'm providing a way for those whom I am well pleased. And the only way that you and I can be well pleased before God is surrendering our lives to Jesus. And when we do that, he opens up the floodgates and we have peace with God and then we have peace within ourselves. And then he teaches us how to have peace with those who are around us. But it starts the centerpiece of our lives is peace with God. The centerpiece of everything that is rotating around our relationship with our heavenly father. And the Christmas story is all about that peace on earth and goodwill to those who are around us. And I, we get to live into that. We get to have and experience the peace of God. And the peace of God lets us know that, hey, God is in control. That I will be with you. I'm not never going to leave you nor forsake you. No matter how dark, how grim, how much pain you feel right now. I will be with you and I will walk with you every single step of the way. And if you and I are ever stepping back, if you ever hear someone say, I wish God would send me a sign. You say he did. His name is Jesus. He came in the flesh. The invisible God became visible. And he came out of love for you and I. He was motivated by love. Corey Tim Boom, she has this quote, and this is what she says. It says, who can add to Christmas? The perfect motive is that God so loved the world. The perfect gift is that he gave his only son. The only requirement is to believe in him. The reward of faith is that you shall have everlasting life. Who can add to Christmas? The story of Jesus. And there's one more addition to the Christmas story that I think you and I must consider here today. That is, what is our response? What is my response? What is your response to the Christmas story? We saw the innkeeper's response. We saw the shepherd's response. We saw the angel's response to the Christmas story. But what is our response? Because God is so good and rich in his mercy that his story becomes our story. And then we get to share that with the world, right? He merges those together. He redeems us and changes us. And then he gives us a new mission. He gives us a new story for us to, to flow through us. But... 
We have to circle back to the response, right? We see many people in the scripture, out of the scripture. Historians recorded Jesus. It's a historical known fact that Jesus was here. But yet, how will we respond? Will we call him King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Because he already is. But will we surrender that to our lives? And then will we take that story of good news and great Joy. I mean, imagine that great good news of great joy. That's the story that we carry this holiday season, this Christmas season. And honestly, every single day is the reminder that this is good news. This is great joy. And it doesn't mean that that uh, the hardships are not going to come, that fear is not going to come. All of those pieces are not going to come. But what it means is that I have a story that is greater than all of that. I have a story that can sustain me through all of that. I have a story that at the end of the day, I will be with Jesus, right? So I can have peace right now and forevermore at the end of the day. And that's the Christmas story that you and I, we get to lean into. And so as we maybe tomorrow uh, gather together, or maybe gathering with yourself, and if you're a Christian, God is there with you every step of the way. But we remember the peace that God has for us, in us, and through us. And as I get ready to pray here today, we have a few more elements uh, that we'll participate together. We're going to take communion together. We have another song together as well. But I just want to pray for us as a church. And maybe for you, you're hearing this story for the very first time and you've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus. You're hearing this and going, my response, I've never actually surrendered him. And Daniel, the peace that you're talking about, I have never felt before. I still have this void. I still have this gap that I'm wrestling with. And I believe that God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to fill that void. In John 10, 10, it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But then it says, I have come to give life and give it abundantly, which means fulfillment. Fulfillment, right? Doesn't mean it's going to be smooth, but he's saying it's going to be fulfilling in that, that God is bringing forth in us. And so I want to say two prayers. I just want to pray with you if you want to surrender your life to Jesus here and uh, make this the greatest Christmas maybe you've ever experienced in your life. Joyful. I'm talking about us Christians. In Luke chapter 15, it says when people come to know Jesus, everybody is celebrating, right? Like heaven is rejoicing. We're celebrating. So I don't want to make it this somber thing like, oh, I'm surrendering. No, it's great news. It's good news, right? Like this radical. The moment I surrendered my life to Jesus, literally everything changed. Everything changed in my life. And, and I believe it can happen. And I see it day in and day out of God will do it because he is faithful and he is good and he is just. Even he will speak through a crazy young kid from Clayton County, Georgia, right? Like all of these things, he can still use every single person. So if you want to surrender your life to Jesus here this morning, uh, one of the greatest gifts that you can have is a relationship with Jesus. I would love for you to pray with me. So let's pray together. Um, There's nothing special in this prayer, but it's a heart and a confession to Jesus. But pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I have missed the mark. God, I know that I am running from you and living in sin. God, I believe that you were born here around this Christmas time. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose again. God, and I ask that you would save me and I ask that you would change me and I ask that you would give me that supernatural peace. And if you prayed that prayer here this morning, what I would love for you is just to fill out that connect card before you go today and come see me. Come see us in the connect center. I want to walk with you, pray with you because you weren't meant to take this journey alone. 
So let's pray together as a church. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, your truth. Thank you for coming to us while we were still enemies of you, while we were running away from you, God. You came to us. And the Christmas story is that story of hopeful expectation, God. That now that you have come, we have this hopeful expectation that you will come again. God, and we want to take this moment and be the messengers. That, that our response will be worship to you, will be serving you, would be sharing the greatest story that has ever been told, God. And I pray that you fill us up with incredible joy. I pray for anyone in this room here this morning that life is just beating them up and pushed them down. And I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit would breathe life, that the Holy Spirit would breathe joy, that we would be reminded that the circumstances do not determine my peace. They do not determine my joy, God. You do. I pray that you would fill them, God. I pray that you would bind the enemy in their life. And I pray that we would declare today and tomorrow and every day of our lives that this is about the good news, the saving grace and gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. I'm going to invite Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.